same China, different stories. Rio's a one, one found her way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Adopted Babies from China. I'm Tara. Welcome to entering year three of the podcast, which is kind of crazy because I'm surprised that I've stuck with something for such a good amount of time. Although three years or two years is really not that much time. But yeah, so today I am with Kate. Kate, actually, we connected because of Anna from also known as Anna is a, an adoptee from Indonesia. She's a wonderful adoptee and person that I have met here in New York City. But Kate, you are actually in Massachusetts, right? Yes, that's correct. I'm in Boston right now. You're in Boston. Did you grow up there? I don't remember if you mentioned this. Oh, I grew up in the Hudson Valley area of New York. And I say that because often when I say I grew up in upstate New York, then all the people from like Ithaca and Syracuse come for me. But oh. yeah, New York, the countryside. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you went north. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I guess we could definitely get into that. But I always like to start with so tell me more about your adoption. Sure. I would love to. Uh, so I was born in 1994 and I was adopted in 1995 from uh, Hefei, China. Uh, which is like, I guess, kind of just in the middle there. If you look at it on the map, like slightly east to the middle uh, in a province called Anhui. Uh, And I would say the most notable thing about that location is just that um, the Yellow Mountains, uh, Huangshan is there. And that's like a big tourist attraction in China. But otherwise, I don't think there's like a lot that's known about this particular province in China. Uh, So I was, yeah. So I was adopted when I was about six months old in a group uh, of other adoptees as well. So all of our parents came from the U.S. to China together through an agency, adopted us there. And I feel like that's maybe not all, always the case, but a pretty common occurrence for uh, Chinese adoptees. I think, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the, the story I hear a lot. It's like we came with a group, but there are some stories I've heard where that is not the case. And it's like, oh. Um, yeah, I was talking to somebody recently and they mentioned their adoption was like kind of the sketchy in- interaction that happened in China. And then like they met their parents at the airport in the U.S. I was like, oh, OK, so not every story is the same there. But I kind of just assume like, oh, we all come in groups. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. There's definitely the more like by the book adoptions and then some others that don't quite just like fit inside the system exactly right yeah you're like oh okay yeah and i was like it was one it was like a it was the global adoptee global asian adoptee meetup it was like the first thing and i guess somebody i think it's her name is emma i want to say just yes yeah okay I was like, let's all, did you go to the one in Boston? No, unfortunately, I couldn't make it, but I'm super bummed. I've been trying, there's been a fair amount of like Boston adoptee meetups, and I've been trying to get to one. My mm-hmm. schedule's been a little bit hectic, but one of my summer goals is to like actually connect 
uh, with other adoptees in the area. So okay. would love to hear though, how was your experience with the global adoptee meetup? It was nice. It was recently, it was April 9th. Yeah, so I guess like last weekend, it feels like it's been longer, but it was April 9th <laughs> and we all met at like a food hall type situation place in Brooklyn, in the city. And it's just kind of cool to like meet more people, honestly. And a lot, a lot of people were saying this is like the first time they've met like such a big group of adoptees in person in a while, like pre-COVID. And I was like, yeah, I guess it really has been. And I can only imagine as things hopefully are not as intense and serious that more people will be able to like me and gather and i do imagine that because it was sort of hosted by and brought brought to everybody by all these groups it was very like informal but also kind of formal which is really cool but yeah it was cool to like just meet people i was like oh my goodness chinese adoptees there's there's a lot of chinese adoptees for sure yeah (laughs) there always is there always is. I feel like when there's these meetup things of Asian adoptees, it's like primarily Korean or Chinese, and it's like, hey. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It was cool, though. And I did feel like I was old, honestly, for a lot of them were, I think somebody there there was exactly 10 years my junior, and I was like, damn, I feel, I feel kind of old, because you're, I mean... In general, we are not old, but I just felt old. Uh... Yeah, I feel like that's when you really feel the difference between the millennial and the Gen Z generation. Yeah. You're just like, you know, you seem familiar, but there's a lot that you're saying that I don't know if I fully understand it right now. Yeah, some terms and stuff. There was like one adoptee I met that was there. Cause it was funny. It's like, I got there early and fortunately I was like, I love going into galleries and there's galleries everywhere. So it was in a nice part of Brooklyn and I went to a gallery. It was early. And then I was like, went to the place where we were meeting. And there was like one person that I heard just talking. It's like, Oh yeah. Like adoption in Asia. Like just, she was speaking really loud. So it's like, <laughs> I just walked up to the group of like four people and I was like, Oh, adopted Asian. Yeah. I think I'm in the right place. Yeah, and that's me. Like, yeah, I was like, that's me. I'm also Asian adopted. I'm pretty sure you, the, you group of four Chinese girls are adoptees. And then it was funny because then I became the person who was like people who were like nearby, who looked like they were looking like in the right place. So I started like yelling out like across like with people. I'm like, oh, are you adopted? Are you Asian? You're in the right place. And I think we managed to get like three or four people that way. It was just funny. It's like one of those things like, yeah, I don't think I would normally do this if it weren't for the situation. <laughs> oh, you're adopted. You're Asian. You're in the right place. I love that. Someone had to break the ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the other person was doing it first and then I just continued and took it to another level because, I mean, I just I don't I don't care too much anymore. <laughs> We're doing this. Yeah, I hope you do get to a chance to meet more adoptees in Boston. Are you in okay, Massachusetts, Boston. Boston's like the big hub, right? Like the big city, right? Okay. Yeah, I would say so. How did you end up in Boston? Ah, I that's a good question. I actually lived here when I graduated from college. That was back in twenty sixteen. So I was there from twenty sixteen to 2017. And I was there for work that time. And this time I'm here for work as well. So both times I moved 
to Boston, it was because that's the job that I happened to be hired for. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it seems like work, sometimes life, you never know. <laughs> what brought you? Did you, do you have siblings too, or is it just you, just you? I have an older half-brother. Uh, so he's my father's biological son uh, and my mother's stepson. And we have about a 20-year age difference. So I very much feel, you know, I he's my brother. I strongly feel that way. But when I was growing up, because of the age difference, we weren't living in the same house because, you know, <laughs> he was already out of the house because he was that much older. And so I think when I was younger, it felt more like he was an uncle. And I think as I've gotten older, sort of the, the difference in our age has become less uh, I guess less than less of a factor in sort of the way I view that relationship. So long answer is that short answer is yes, I have one older brother. Oh, okay. Wow. So your your parents, I guess, were just like, let's adopt a child now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's cool. Do you communicate with your brother present day at all? Or is it like, well, you know, maybe whenever you get a chance? Yeah, I would say we talk about every one to two weeks. My brother and my parents live in Florida. So we usually try to do like a weekly Zoom call. I am sometimes hard for them to get in, in, in contact with. But generally, I do my best to kind of keep that like weekly cadence. Nice. So we do a little, little informal check in of our lives, all of that. Okay, I mean, Florida seems to be a very popular place to go in the U.S. it seems oh yeah especially <laughs> especially if you're like a white retired couple <laughs> yeah it's exactly it's like oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I see okay that's really funny well it's good that you keep up with the the cadence of that call because I'm sure if you didn't it's like ah uh, you wouldn't hear from them and it's like okay where <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly oh I mean that is far you're basically at the two different points on the east coast like far south far north (laughs) yeah so I try to visit when I can but it's not like I'm constantly making the journey south yeah I mean is there is there flights to I mean this is like a technical question but is there flights direct (laughs) from Boston to Florida and is it really expensive or do they do this thing where they like they fly you to like Philadelphia and then you have to transfer and then I don't know I feel like they do that, but. Thankfully, no. I think there's, just anecdotally, I feel like there's a lot more flights out of, like, the New York airports than the Boston airport. Uh... But usually I can find a direct flight. It really just depends if it's, like, a big peak season. Like, as you can imagine, spring break, trying to get to Florida, very pricey. So I usually avoid that. Oh, yeah. I know. And I I believe it's spring break for all the public education systems coming up i remember you told me what your work is is it, is it in education no no yes your first it. instinct was correct okay. yeah i work for an education travel company that's it this is a relatively newish job uh, i started last august and uh, basically the company does like education tours for middle and high school students so you know i don't know if you ever did this but i feel like a lot of folks who grew up in the U.S. go on that like eighth grade class trip to D.C. or like their yep. high school trip to New York and they see like the Broadway show kind of that's sort of the like 
key thing that we do. Oh, you're okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because somebody has to help plan the the logistics for those school trips. Because I mean, I grew up in the DC area, so we would do the trips to like New York City, and well, even like locally, going from where I was in Maryland to DC was still like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's definitely quite an endeavor because there's so many things that go into planning a trip that I I think a lot of people don't consider and like it gets pretty expensive pretty quickly. So that's sort of like what our, I guess, specialty is. And I personally love trip planning because I love traveling and obviously the planning uh, is is an important part of that experience. And so it's a lot of fun for me. Right. Follow questions like I was going to ask how you ended up in this type of role because it seems so specific. Like, does this have anything to do with the first job you had or like what you studied? Uh, yeah, great question. Let me let me walk you through my CV. I studied economics, so I would not say it's particularly related to where I am now. You know, I think like whatever the critical thinking learning new things piece is kind of there. But when I was in college and immediately after college, I thought I wanted to be like a finance gal. So mm-hmm. I was kind of on that track. And my first job in Boston was like finance related. Uh, I, I would say <laughs> that the conclusion of that experience was maybe finance isn't the best fit for me. I think the work was okay, but maybe it was ultimately not like the environment I was looking for. I think this this is actually, yeah, this will lead back into more China stuff, but uh, (laughs) it must have been like June-ish of 2017, and I I was about a year into my job, and I was like, I need to get out of here, and so I was applying to different jobs, uh, and I applied, I think, to one in Boston, one in New York, because I have always wanted to live in New York City, uh, still trying to eventually, Uh, and I applied to a job in China, and the job in China is the one that I got. Uh, And none of these are related specifically to finance. I think I was just like, I got to just try something new and I got to escape my current situation. Uh, And so the job in China was education related. And that's sort of where my entrance into the education industry happened. Was through China. What? Oh, okay. I mean, that like naturally just segues into the because I always ask, I always ask, like, oh, have you been like back to China? Where you're from? Do you want to go back to China or where you're from? Uh, well, where in China were you located for your work? I guess, yeah. I both studied abroad and then ended up working in Beijing. Oh, okay. Both, both in Beijing. Yeah, so I would say total, I've probably, if you if you add both of those experiences, I've probably spent about three years in Beijing total. That's a pretty significant time, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, when, I guess when I say it that way, it is. It doesn't yeah. feel like that long, but. Okay, so did you actually like study Mandarin too before you went to study abroad? Or I'm assuming you had to study it when you were there. <laughs> And actually use use some language. <laughs> yes, I've I've spent a fair amount of my life learning Chinese. I will say mm-hmm. I am I think I'm like a particularly ungifted language learner. So my Chinese is my Mandarin's honestly not that good. I, I think considering how much time I've invested, <laughs> it should be much better than it is. 
I was for I started to formally study Chinese. I think it was sophomore year of college. But again, I'd already had a foundation because I'd studied it when I was younger. I just like never mm-hmm. kept up with it. Uh, and frankly, was like quite resistant to any work, any language instruction that was given to me. Uh, but yeah, I think sophomore year of college, I finally made the decision that I was like, I, I for myself want to learn Chinese. And so uh, the fall semester of my junior year, I studied abroad in Beijing and did one of like the language intensive programs where you're sort of like fully immersing yourself in the language and the culture and like just studying Chinese for, yeah. uh, for a couple of months. Oh, Wow. Okay. And I'm, I'm assuming study abroad, like you were by yourself, right? Like, did you stay, uh, well, study abroad, I guess, did you stay at the campus or did you do a homestay? I think that's what the word I'm looking for. <laughs> a homestay. Is it a homestay? When you stay with the family? <laughs> <laughs> I stayed on campus. Uh, so mm-hmm. just living in a dorm, had a roommate who was also in the program. I think it would have mm. been cool to do a homestay in retrospect, but probably for me at that time, that might have been a little bit overwhelming because I, mm-hmm. I think that I was, at least when I started, I was so, felt so inundated by like the stimulation of being in a new place and the language learning and all the work that went along with it. It was like, it was like barely functional. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I mean, I think a homestay would definitely have you like much more speaking and picking it up but it's yeah that's overwhelming if you're also I guess doing education and while you were study abroad or when you went there to well I guess study abroad and when you went there to work are almost like different experiences I'm sure because it's different focus Uh, but in China in the education system because you were starting your CV and I was like, okay, so you went there and did education stuff. And then were you just like, okay, I'm done with China. Let me reapply. And then you came back to the U.S.? Uh, actually, I came back to the U.S. January 2020, right when COVID was getting oh. bad in Beijing. And I thought I was coming back to the U.S. for like a two-week vacation. You know, I, I think back to that period now and... It's like, I guess it's amazing to me how naive I was about the whole situation. But, you know, in Beijing at that time, I don't think there was, I don't think there was a high volume of cases, but we were certainly hearing what was happening in Wuhan and both like via the news and I think just through various other like foreigners who are living in China and like, because there's a pretty big like, I guess like expat or foreigner network. Uh, in China and you just sort of like hear the buzz from other people and so you know my my company sort of said hey like we're gonna go remotely for a couple weeks we don't really know what the situation is and so it was right around uh spring festival Chinese New Year and so I thought oh you know I have some vacation days anyway like I'll just go back to the U.S. like wait it out for a little bit and then come back to China when everything's all good uh, which I feel like oh. is is kind of like the attitude me and most of my coworkers had, and and yeah. a little bit ironic and unfortunate too, because you know I don't think we're I don't think we're spreading COVID at that time, but you know the mm-hmm. fact that I just like yeah. hopped on a plane and came into the U.S. and like <laughs> just well, what, like what about my life here? It's not like you knew, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I yeah I came back. Um, uh, end of January, and then like basically haven't 
you know, for months couldn't get back into the country and then sort of was like, I think that it, it'll be really challenging to return to China for a while. And so I, I shifted my focus and sort of committed to like officially living in the U.S. again. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I forgot that, uh, COVID is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah somehow still a thing two uh, years later. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. It is still a thing. Oh wow. Okay. So it's like you, you weren't necessarily like planning to come back and be the U S but here, here we are. Exactly. I thought, you know, I was, I, I was sort of at a point where I was probably going to wrap up my job there in like the next half year or year and then probably move back to the US but it wasn't like a decision that I'd concretely made covid yeah. definitely made that decision for me decision for yeah i was going to say and here's your here's your <laughs> um, wow well, that's pretty wild that's really wild so then when you came back to the US and you're like okay well i'm going to be here that's when you started looking and found the opportunity exactly um, yes Gotcha. Yes, my my job in China, I officially ended it, I think it was July 2020. Um, mm. And then I sort of started the process of figuring out what is next for me? Where do I want to live? Mm -hmm. What's life going to look like? <laughs> yeah. And you know, like July 2020 doesn't sound like it was that far back, but it, it was actually that far back. Like we're, we're approaching between July. Three months is going to be July, so it's going to be like two years. Yeah. Scary. Very scary. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to insert a break here. definitely getting the storm but that was up north it is oh, dark no. at 6:30. Like, all right um yeah it looks very pretty dreary out my window as well unfortunately mm. <laughs> well if you come to live in new york city you'll just get to experience delays and weather patterns because i feel like it just comes here after it's coming from the south or the north or the west i don't totally know. That's my, my good friend, her, her, well, they're both in weather and meteorology and many things, much more technical, but her husband is definitely like a meteorologist and looks at weather patterns and stuff. So I should just send this clip and be like, oh uh, yeah, how do you explain this? Hey, what's well, going what's on here? What's a squall? <laughs> uh, so when you were in China though, I guess, it was recent though too were you or did you want to like have the opportunity to like go back to Anhui province or you were like I'm good that's a great question I I think additional context worth adding is that pre uh prior to studying abroad in China I'd actually returned a couple times I want to say the first time I went back to China was um I think it was uh, I think it was 2007 because mm -hmm. the like 2008 Olympics hadn't happened yet in Beijing, but it was definitely a big deal. And so everywhere we we're going in China, like that was sort of the buzz. So it must have been 2007. Uh, and at that time, I returned with my parents 
and we mm-hmm. did essentially one of the, I guess, adoption heritage tours. Uh, oh, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. visited, I think in the span of about two weeks, we visited a bunch of different cities in China and kind of had like the, you know, like see the, see the biggest tourist attractions in every mm-hmm. city in China that everyone knows. And then uh, go to your birth city or, you know, mm-hmm. birth location. And so in 2007, I returned to Anhui province. So that was my first time back. And then when I was working in China, and so this was post 2017, I went back again. That was less for an adoption focus. That was actually because I was uh, going to visit the mountain range I mentioned before, uh, Yellow Mountains, and like, check out the cute little towns around the area. So that was more of like, oh, this is a fun vacation. And Mm -hmm. we're going to do a little bit of climbing, a little bit of touristy stuff. For fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's a a trip to, I feel like for everybody, if you like go back to your orphanage, SWI, whatever term you relate to, uh, it's it's an experience for sure. It's kind of cool hearing the dates you went to China though because I think mine sort of mirror it too like I think I went back in the early 2000s I think 2006 maybe and then I went back in 2017 to actually go to the orphanage wow in my hometown yeah and that was like adoption focus because like I'm really interested in learning about my adoption and identity (laughs) wow we've had almost parallel adventures where is your uh, (laughs) where is your uh, place of birth it is the Zhejiang province and Ningbo city which I think is I always describe as like south of Shanghai yeah oh cool yeah and it's like known as a port city I don't think there's any like super big tourist attractions I know of but the city is very modern but it could be kind of like the view when you look at places near like in the U.S. like if you look at New York City and like the skyline how it keeps developing and stuff it's like I guess it's like anywhere like it's always going to be building up and developing it was, it was an interesting trip I definitely think it was like all right that the time of like getting interested in my adoption was like right before the pandemic probably like two two years preceding the pandemic but then the pandemic I think just was like a sim well not similar to you but like it's another catalyst for like making the decision for me like all right what are you gonna do about all this curiosity I think even even without a global adoptee meetup day I'm not sure it would have been as big or as successful if it were not for the pandemic and all the groups that formed and communities that like built online and it's like oh my gosh it's you in person after all said and done yeah absolutely I I feel like for me you know I'd I'd been interested in I guess adoption and obviously my heritage uh, since I returned to China uh, for quite some time but I think pre-pandemic it's not that I felt like my interest was happening in a vacuum per se but certainly like when a lot of communication shifted online and when there was like a lot more activity in Facebook groups and on social media mm-hmm. in general, I, I was like amazed to find so many other adoptees who had been or were sort of starting similar journeys uh, mm-hmm. and how many resources there were out there that I truly had no idea about. So I had sort of like 
look at books here and there, you know, look, a, look right. up a couple of things, but was mostly like, ah, I'm just thinking about my own adoption, but to, you know, for like podcasts like this, so cool to hear the perspectives of other adoptees um, mm-hmm. having like, I, I know there were a bunch of like Facebook zoom meetups as well with adoptees. I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't super involved in those, but I thought it was re- like really incredible that those were ongoing as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, it's so cool. Like how people just met like the way yeah. we all met. It's like, Oh, there's like this opportunity to just chat and see everybody looks like you. I mean, I guess well, living in China, of course, most people probably look like you, and, but I think Beijing might have a lot of people who don't look like you because it's a big city for business and all that fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do think that one thing that was hard for me to adjust back to when I returned to the U.S. was no longer seeing like myself surrounded by a bunch of other Chinese people who at least, you know, sort of tangentially uh, have looks that relate to mine. Uh, and so that took a while to get used to, uh, for mm, sure. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think, I think that was a big motivating factor for coming to New York City because it's like now I do see a lot of like Asian people, Chinese, a good number of Chinese people too. I was like, I'm amongst the people. <laughs> We all are here. <laughs> That's how I felt as a child going into New York City as well. Because I visited yeah. a fair amount. And it was like, uh, I think like a lot of adoptees, I grew up in a very like white community and quite rural. And mm-hmm. so, you know, anytime I was in a big city, I was like mind blown by the diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, I mean, like a lot of adoptees, especially at that meetup, were uh, a good number of them like grew up in New York City. So it was like, oh, okay. And I, I remember just being so kind of like enamored like you you grew up in the city where you probably didn't exactly experience this whole like white whiteness you know the whitewashing or whatever that uh, some adoptees I speak to do and it's just like yeah it's just the way life was and like always connected to the culture and the groups and I was like it's cool (laughs) (laughs) so I'm guessing that where you grew up in in Maryland was sort of similarly less diverse yeah, definitely less diverse than New York City, but more diverse, I think, than a lot of people that I've spoken to in the towns they grew up in, where I was like, we were the only family, or I was like the only Asian kid in my class. I was like, oh, no, fortunately, like, there were definitely, I think there was a lot of, like, second generation students who were, like, from Korea or China, uh, even, like, Burma, like, everywhere. Wow. But, I mean, primarily, like, a white community for sure but there was there was like a sprinkle of all of us in there and I think I think in my school I might have been the only adopted kid but there were other like Asian people for sure and then like most of my friends were white or black it's like we mixed it up (laughs) now I can say like presently today like most of my friends are probably yeah most of my friends are Asian (laughs) a lot of adoptees but even like the running group I'm a part of there's a really big Filipino population in that group. And I'm just like all friends with the Filipinos. And it's like, <laughs> this is kind of like wild. I didn't, I, I mean, this is what I came for and just happens to be how it worked out. It's like all these Asian friends. <laughs> it's really funny how much people love karaoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> karaoke and bubble tea. Really? 
They have become For sort real, of two though. pillars, I guess, of the Asian slash Asian American community. But yeah, similarly, I think the majority of my friends growing up were, I say, mostly white, and then sort of college and on, it's it's definitely skewed more mm. Asian. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that's. I mean, it's everybody's experience is different, but I I feel like many adoptees who I speak to, it's like we all sort of gravitate towards having more like Asian friends as we get older. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if you felt, it actually sounds like maybe you feel this way as well, but I just feel like a lot of adoptees have come into my life and I, I sort of feel like adoptees just find each other. Like if you're in sort of a broader community and there's another adoptee that's part of that community, you sort of end up connecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I guess I also, like, completely sought it out do, starting this podcast. <laughs> I was like, um, I need to, like, find the adoptees who are Chinese. And, yeah, I think starting this podcast definitely was a huge motivating factor for, like, okay, now I'm connected. And somebody actually was like, it sounds like you've, like, helped cultivate the, the, the community. And I was like, I guess in a way I have in a small way, but there's there are definitely some people who are much more like advocates and like really are out not like speak openly and much more what's the word I can't think of the word that I want to describe uh, not affluently articulating they articulate the experience really well well worded yeah. <laughs> they articulate it very well I know what you mean <laughs> you know what I mean the irony is like I'm trying to explain the word and I'm yeah Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel like advocacy can look very different. And I think what Mm -hmm. you're doing is pretty amazing. Like, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, it was like, through Anna, we found this connection. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's definitely other adoptees that I want to connect you to. And so you really are like an integral part in growing that community. It's sort of at like the individual level, which I love. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of like, it's really cool when it's like, it's like I meet people at these meetups and it's like, yeah, so I like host this podcast. And they're like, oh, is it called Adopted Babies from China? I was like, yeah, have you heard of it? They're like, yeah, I think you follow me on Instagram. I was like, I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice oh, yeah, to meet person. <laughs> Seeing that like social or parasocial relationship become like an actual mm. relationship. So cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there was somebody, Amanda uh she was on like three episodes at three or two episodes. i don't even know at this point it's like i my short-term memory is but <laughs> it that was an instagram connection it was like she when we talked she was like oh yeah like you appeared as like people to follow so it's like followed and then i think i saw her like short and we messaged back and forth and like the two days later also known as had an event in person and like we both were at it and it's like we were doing introductions. She's like, my name's Amanda. I'm a dancer. And I also do digital shorts. Or like, I'm. she didn't say that. But it's basically, I was like, wait. We were talking on Instagram, like, back and forth. And it's like, we should meet sometime. And then we did. It was It was just, I don't know. I was like, oh, that's so exciting that we, like, connected. And then we're seeing each other in person. Uh, we both, like, yeah. It was very, it was like a very geek out moment of just like, whoa. Internet. I love that. It feels like clearly mm-hmm. it, you, y'all were meant to meet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was listening to some of your episodes, and I'm not sure if it was that episode, 
But I remember someone brought up, I think it's like the red thread theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know it's like not, like that's not it. I don't think like this is exactly what that applies to, but it does feel like there's, you know, there's just that like connection that's Mm -hmm. like bringing people together. Yes. Yeah. I I assumed it was like, is this only adoptee thing? It's like, no, no, it's like a Buddhist principle. It's like, oh (laughs) here i am learning yeah i was like learning stuff doing these two and i'm like oh and i swear because it's like the more people i've spoken to and then when i start using terms or like talking about it um some people are like what does that mean and i was like you know what i guess like now that i've immersed myself into this conversation a lot more i'm able to like sort of teach or pass it along um especially with like you like the gen z people i'm like oh my gosh you're 10 years younger than i am like we're getting to be the next wave because korean adoptees they had a similar not similar they had the experience of the a lot of the adoptees are now like parents or grandparents from korea i mean like even meeting some of the korean adoptees now it's like aren't you like young for a korean adoptee technically and like for chinese adoptees like i'm old i'm older oh I don't know. <laughs> wow, I'm I them. Yeah, I I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but for sure most of the Korean adoptees I know are usually like off or often 5 to 10 years older than me. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Feeling that that wave. Yeah, it's like, "Oh my gosh, we're 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 the forefront of this new wave." I mean, I've met a lot of Chinese adoptees who are, I think, turning 26, 27. I'm just like, wow, that's, I don't know why that's such a big year. Yes. Is that 95, 96? But maybe, I guess a good portion of adoptions happened, I, I want to say like mid or late 90s, because I was adopted in 98 at the age of four. So I was like, yeah, I was part of that wave, sort of, as an older, older kid, older child. <laughs> Yeah, me and uh, me and all the other uh, people I was adopted with. Yeah, all ninety four birthdays, and I've met many mm. people in yeah, right in that mid nineties uh, target period. Mm. Yeah, and then I hear about people who stayed in touch with their fellow adoptees from the groups, and I was like, man, I never even thought of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think also I, I'm probably. There's like a picture, but it's like I'm like the oldest kid in the group. They're all they were all babies when I was like four. It's like I don't even remember. Um, I'm sure if the podcast grew big enough, be like, hey, are you were you adopted in 1998 with a four year old kid in this place? And I don't even remember where it is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've definitely seen some messages like that on the subtle Asian adoptee traits group. Oh yeah. So people are for sure trying to sort of retrace mm-hmm. uh, their their pasts, which I think is definitely an interesting way to use social media and, and sort of cool that we have that tool. Uh, I was yeah. I feel pretty fortunate because um, the parents of the other people I was adopted with, for the most part, a number of us would have uh, annual reunions pretty much, mm. I think pretty much up until later high school. When, you know, we were like sort of becoming adults and our schedules were getting packed and then some of us were going off to college and it, was, yeah. it became a lot harder logistically. But uh, a number of us still keep in touch. Uh, and in fact, mm-hmm. my gosh, was it last summer? I guess it was last summer. One of our fellow adoptee, one of our like one of our adoptees 
she got married. And so we went to the wedding and it felt like this really wonderful reunion and celebration. Whoa. Oh, yeah. We are at the age where people get married. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we're get married all the time now. But, um, yeah, I guess so. I don't That's still, great. I still don't feel like we're at that age, but it, it keeps happening. So I guess, I guess we are. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I was going to say, my good friend growing up, she did get married two years ago. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's that time. I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're getting married and like other people getting, a lot of people, it's like on Facebook, it's like, oh, this person got married. And I'm also kind of like, I didn't realize I was still friends with them on the Facebook. I guess you got married. <laughs> That's a whole nother, whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool that you guys were able to reunite or like have a reunion and just like, hey, we're here. And I'm sure like your parents appreciated it too because they all were together when they went to China, I, I, I would think, yeah. Yeah, I hope so because, you know, when we were, when we were kids, of course, it was fully the parents' efforts that made those reunions happen. And, yeah. you know, we didn't live too far away. We were all kind of in the, the I guess, tri-state area, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Jersey, Connecticut, New York, like we did yeah. have to like all travel and figure out schedules they probably appreciate that like now we've sort of taken it on probably not as efficiently as they did right yeah you know I feel like pretty confident that I'll get to see most if not all of them at some point this year yeah oh yeah that seems like a pretty definitive goal for people is like because especially with COVID you people weren't able to like meet again so I, I think everybody's eager to meet again oh no I think you froze Zoot. Let me see. I'll pause. Should I pause it? Oh no. Oh, you're back. Ooh, are you still there? Yeah. Woohoo! Okay. So I think we were getting close to rounding up anyway. Ra- rounding up. We were close to wrapping up anyway, but it's like, let's get there. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, too, because it's like, yay, I like how we connected and just like people connecting people. Yay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I know we, we talked on the phone. Oh, now it feels like forever ago. Maybe it was like three weeks ago, but I just mm-hmm. instantly was like, this is this is going to be a good like conversation based yay. on our initial interactions. So. Yeah. <laughs> And I like to do that if I can. It's like, hey, let's like talk beforehand. And sometimes it's worked out where I haven't talked to people beforehand, but it's usually up to the person's person's personal preference. Like, oh, do you want to talk beforehand? I told him down or um, even just like messaging. It, oh my gosh, it sounds like dating, honestly, because I have date, the dating apps a little bit, doesn't it? Because it does. Now I'm just thinking about this as like, oh, just based on like our messages, it seems like the yeah. conversation would be good. Because I did talk to somebody recently, uh, Kelly, and we just had messages going back and forth, but we never exchanged any audio. So I was like, hey, you want to record? So we picked a date, we get on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect us to like, like what our dynamic's going to be. And I was just kind of surprised. And I was sort of blown away by like how intelligent and well-spoken Kelly is. And I was like, okay. Um, I guess that's not too much of a surprise because your messages were very well written too. But Thank I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like dating apps a little bit. It's like the dating world when you like, I just miss people sometimes based solely on like the messaging. I was like, all right, so this isn't going anywhere. Bye. <laughs> 
just yeah, it's, next. It's so weird to think that probably not the majority of still, but so many interactions start digitally now as opposed to just mm-hmm. like seeing someone in person and being like, hey, nice I to know. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, hey, that's the world we live in. I was thinking the other day how we, I mean, we grew up with, I don't think the first iPhone came out to what, 2000, was it 2008 or something? And like social Maybe. media even, didn't really blow up until we were in college. And I was just kind of like, wow. So I did take time one day to like go back in my Google photo archive to see like the first video that I made and the qualities like, wow, that's just not at all what it is today. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I, I'm kind of relieved we didn't grow up with great quality video mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now that we of course now we do have that but yeah I feel like I I'm always fighting the urge to you know whip out my phone and like take a, a photo or take a video because like yeah when I was little I was just like doing all sorts of stuff and it never occurred to me to record or document in it in any way and I think there's obviously pros and cons to both I love being able to look through my photos and my videos and and sort of like fondly reminisce but definitely as a kid I was, I was just out there Doing my thing. <laughs> I must be making a lot of juice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that for a while. It's like, boy. Uh, just gallons can, of juice. Yeah, fortunately I can edit out a good portion, but it's just like, what is, you know, the funny thing is now though, because presently I feel like I take a lot of video over photos now because it's like the memory of like, oh, this is what was happening. Because I swear, I think my memory short term or something is just kind of fading like I have okay memory for certain things but when it comes to like stuff that's happened or stuff that happened when I was younger I was like I just don't have any great memory of it all oh yeah yeah I relate to that <laughs> I don't recall what happened but uh, yeah it was I've started therapy again I, I do on and off since well I've been trying to stay on with therapy but sometimes it's like when you have to start over with a new therapist it's like so much work so this new mm. therapist that I've been just started working with she's like okay I'm going to give you this like prompts for she's like what do you want to work on I was like probably like my adoption family stuff relationships and work and then she sent this like really long outline essentially which I really did it I liked it but it was such a long outline but it was like What's your relationship with your mother? How was it when you were a kid, when you were a teenager? Like, it just went on and on. And then it was like, your dad, your brother, your brother. It took me, I don't know, like probably four hours to do this whole thing. Wow. I'm just thinking like, I had to like go back in my memory. So I was like, man, what, what happened when I was a kid? Like, I only remembered like not the great stuff, but then I like revisit, I came back to it the next day and I was like, oh, well, here's some good memories I had. But overall, it's just like, wow, our memory is a fickle thing like and and I learned recently I don't remember who told me but apparently with EDMR is it EDMR EMDR eye rapid movement therapy Mm. that sounds familiar to me (laughs) what yeah some sort of therapy is not it's not hypnosis but I mean that you're able to pinpoint what you want to focus on so like as an adoptee I was like man I kind of would be interested to like try it but also I don't know if I'd be ready for that intense volume of emotions and content when it comes to that Um, because being adopted at four I'm sure there's like the stuff between one to four that 
is in that subconscious, but memory is a fickle thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like I've talked a little bit with other adoptees about, you know, whether there's things that happen to us, even, even like between the age of, well, from birth to like age of one, when I think a lot of Chinese adoptees tend to be adopted that are still influencing us now. And, mm-hmm. and my impression is yes. And so, yeah, in some ways, I'm kind of curious to unpack that a little bit. But in other ways, similarly, not sure. Not sure if I want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like being able to tackle things that we presently are experiencing related to adoption too is, I think, a little bit easier, more tactile than like bringing up the stuff from really early on. It's like, okay, so tackling that. I think is a different kind of preparation that I'm like, I'm not quite there. But, mm. uh, well, Understandable. speaking of, say, speaking of adoptees and Chinese adoptees or adoptees in general, is there anything you'd like to hear from other adoptees or others who adoption has become a part of their life? Mm, that's a, that's a good question. I, I mean, I love to hear the stories of other adoptees, uh, and it's it's always interesting to me, you know, to connect with people who've had sort of similar experiences uh, returning to their country of birth. Uh, mm. I also love to hear from adoptees who are maybe looking for advice on doing so, and th- and that's by no means to say that like yeah. I <laughs> know any answers to anything, but you know, if adoptees are curious about like how it felt for me to return to my birth country. And I think some of kind of mm-hmm. the highs and lows of that experience and potentially some ways to pre- prepare themselves. Uh, I'm yeah. always like happy to have those conversations and ad- address oh. those questions, given that, you know, again, it's only coming from like my very specific perspective mm-hmm. and, you know, my background in it, I'm sure could look tremendously different for each individual. Oh, yeah. I think we only scratched the surface on that. I was like, we could totally go into this much more detail. But I do. Yeah, it's wonderful that you're like, oh, if you like want to reach out, which is what? Yeah, that's great. If anybody would like to ask questions, I'm sure they would appreciate. I think anybody would appreciate getting insight from others about their experience. I mean, even I was like, I would love to ask more, but (laughs) Uh, it's only I, I try to keep it at an hour, too. So it's like, well, that, well, so what, what is the best way to contact you? Um, do you? Do you have an Instagram that you'd like to drop your handle? Oh, yes, I do have an Instagram. It's, it's not particularly curated, but it's there. <laughs> See, it's, I literally have to like grab my phone to make sure I'm not messing it. up my own what? handle. Oh my gosh. Right now it is Kate Q-U-Q Davis. So uh, K-A-T-E-Q-U-Q Davis. That's Perfect. my name. That's your name. Okay. <laughs> Drop that in the notes. Maybe you'll get some messages. I don't know. I feel like you will. Because um, that is one thing. Going back to the birth country of where you're adopted from, I've been asked that a lot. And, I, and I, I'm only one perspective. Mm. So I was like, yeah, everybody asks. Because you're, you're, <laughs> you know, you live there. You live there for like a little bit too, which I think is a whole nother thing. Like even I'm like, Wow. You also were there like right as the pandemic happened too. So that's even more of like a, oh wow, let's uh let's let's, let's like dive into this. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm hoping in like many years I'll look back at it more fondly. But now I'm like, wow, can't believe that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, right now you're just like, hmm. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I think collective trauma is COVID. I think that's, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day too, in the shower actually, but I was just like, you know, we're all connected because we're adopted from China. But in general, everybody in the world is connected because of COVID. And there's going to be people who are born right after this like ends and they're not going to like have that experience. I was like, wow. I guess that's what happens with generations. <laughs> Duh. Like the COVID baby generation, they're not going to know this experience because they were babies. I don't know. Yeah. I that felt very, that. You felt that? It's like, very obvious thought. But, you know, just voicing it. <laughs> No, I think like I've I've thought about that because there's obviously been like many significant benchmarks uh, in our lives that I feel like I kind of use to measure mm. time. Mm -hmm. And so when you meet younger people who haven't lived through those, you're just like, how can that not mm. have like shaped your identity and experience of the world as well? I don't get it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, how, how, how is that possible? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, you were not even, I mean, like, I met somebody who was born in 2000, like, after 9-11. I was like, man, like, how, how? Or, wait, 2000, 2000, never mind, scratch that, but I said that incorrectly. 2001 was 9-11, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Or was 9-11 in 2000 or 2001? I, 2001. Okay. Okay, we're gonna keep this in here to prove that my uh, memory really sucks. But yeah, two thousand one. <laughs> so I met. I did meet somebody who was born in two thousand. So they were only one when nine eleven happened. So it's just still kind of like, whoa, that's wild. That's like, wow, that's, yeah. I don't know because I mean, like, obviously, well, not obviously, but many, maybe many of our parents, like they, they have grandparents who lived through like the world wars, and then they lived mm -hmm. through. Or, or world wars and great depression and i'm like wow just i don't know life man <laughs> um perfect well it was a lot of fun talking to you again i'm so glad we were able to sit down and record though i was like i'm so excited when we can record and whenever yeah it is me too. Thank you for being so organized. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love this conversation and would definitely like to talk to you more just in yeah. general about your experiences and also about the running piece because I, I know that you are a runner and I'm always... I'm, I'm a uh, big runner. <laughs> and if you visit New York City or if you plan to move to New York City too, there's a lot of, there's a lot of us who can give you some tips there. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I'm living the life. It's, you know, it took some time, but I got here. So. <laughs> but perfect. Well, goodbye for now. And I'm sure we'll talk more. Thank you for listening to ABC Adopted Babies from China podcast. If you would like to reach me, it is Adopted Babies from China pod on Instagram and Facebook and Adopted Babies from China at gmail.com. Woohoo! Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>